Welcome to a super special advice episode of Sagittarian Matters. Michelle T. and I talk about why you should not out your trans boyfriend to your parents. Liz Prince tells you what to do if your girlfriend smells like a grandma. And Lacey Davis advises on how to interrupt body shaming by your coworkers. Stay tuned. Hi, Nicole. This is um, Bitter V. Um, I'm calling about, um, I'm going to try to keep this short and snappy. Um, I just recently um, told my parents that I'm dating a man. But the thing is, well, of course, they are a man. Um, he is a trans man, and I have been a lesbian, queer, identified woman for the last 20 years. I'm entering my 40s next month. I really, my parents have never really accepted that I was a lesbian, and for them, this is really, I, I think they're, like, they feel vindicated, like, I think maybe they think I went through a 20-year phase. Um, my question is, of course, because I want to prove my parents wrong, I want to divulge the truth or that he is trans and was born a woman. But I don't feel – I feel conflicted because, of course – I'm doing it just to spite my parents instead of saying, fuck you, gender, well, you don't ever get me. Um, and letting those naturally fall into place. Um, on the mean, on the, on one hand, it really hurts me because I still am a queer, I'm queer identified and my parents just don't get it. This does not matter to them. I hope you understand my question. My number is five 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 Johnny five is alive. So um, thank you very much. I hope you're having um, an excellent poly day. Okay, thank you. She shouldn't divulge for that reason. I mean, like that's arguably maybe there's no reason to divulge, and certainly that's something she needs to talk to her partner about. Mm-hmm. But that's certainly not a reason to divulge. Like she's still queer, no matter who she's sleeping with. Like, if her parents don't understand that or they get, like, terrible homophobic joy from seeing her (laughs) with a man, like, unfortunately, she just has homophobic parents. And that's just, like, the flip side of, like, if she's with a woman, having them, like, throw up in their mouth every time she showed up with her female partner. Instead, she has to experience their homophobia this terrible way, you know? Yeah. But um, she just needs to just reaffirm that just because she's with a male partner right now, it doesn't mean she's not queer anymore. Does she need to say that to herself or to her parents or... I don't know. I mean, maybe she needs to say that to herself. It sounds like if she needs to say something to her parents, that's something very clear to say. You know, like she didn't suddenly, she wasn't suddenly cured of her gayness. You know, she's suddenly not not attracted to, you know, the other people, the other queer, you know, visibly queer people that she was with before. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't divulge that because it just feels like she's using her partner's situation to duke, duke out a problem with her parents and it just feels like it's really between her and her parents yeah and where her, her partner has nothing to do with it yeah i yeah. think that's great advice that's what yeah um, i mean i think a lot of people experience that i mean i have friends who experience that and 
Um, and it's, it's totally hard. And I think, I think most like, you know, fem, feminine people who pass as straight, who are with trans men, like, or even just like cisgendered men too. I just think it's like, you know, you lose that visibility when you're with a guy, if you have a sexuality that encompasses dating men. Yeah. You know, after a point, I mean, I, I feel like the world gives you lots of opportunities to sort of out yourself if you want to. And there's also kind of like a, well, what people think of me is like none of my business. Like you don't need to prove anything to anyone, you know? It's yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, but I understand with the parents, it's like a different loaded situation, but she should definitely, she should be protecting her partner. It sounds like from these people. Yeah. This is your new cool family that you have chosen and built after coming yeah. from a homophobic household. Yeah. So of course you want to protect that person. Yeah, totally. And not betray their confidence if they're a stealth dude. Yeah, I mean... By telling are, your parents, yeah. like, guess what? Guess what happened in the past? <laughs> right. Here's what you don't yeah, know. Just, <laughs> just, like, bringing, bringing this person's situation up in a way that completely sets them up for deep misunderstanding and transphobia. It's just, like... It's just, just so like that, that you can feel not invisible as a femme. Yeah. It's, there's just there's other ways to handle it. I say you just handle it, you know, head on. You just get a you just get a big pink triangle tattoo like everybody else does. That's a good idea. <laughs> uh, the trans thing, yeah, I wasn't sure. I myself have gone to lunch with my mom and a trans man who was stealth, and she after she was thrilled. She was over the moon. Oh, she so awful. she I felt so comfortable. She she was like Nikki. I can tell he comes from a good home. You know, he has good manners. <laughs> you could tell he has good parents. And I was like, yeah, that's true. That's I, that's probably true. I guess. Um, there was never a moment where I was like, hey, mom, guess what? Like, it's just, that's not. A person is not a tool. A person is not a tool. I mean, a lot of people are tools, but a person <laughs> is not a tool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's just, it's terrible. You can't use that for your own, to work out your own drama. person is dating someone who they really like but her perfume smells like a grandma's purse which sounds great to me yeah i was gonna say hmm. <laughs> that's such comforting i think my grandma's purse probably smelled like cigarettes doesn't that sound nice cigarettes and like dentine or something yeah. um and it makes them gag and she's very sensitive and they want to know how to tell her here's what i would i don't I think that the person just needs to tell her that they realized through some means that they have, um, like a, I can't remember what it's called, like a scent sensitivity, how now in certain kind of PC circles, there are scent free zones or scent. Mm -hmm. They should say they have a chemical sensitivity or a scent sensitivity and that it perfume gives them migraines and that they really are into their person and they like her a lot and they, but they are getting a headache from perfume and they're really sorry. I don't, that's why. Yeah, I don't know why the, the apology thing is probably not going to rub everyone the right way, but I would frame it like that. I would try to say something nice. Yeah. Definitely try to be nice about it. Um, would you lie? So my advice is to lie. Well, my dad had that sense, sense, that sensitivity. I... Um, 
And it was to the point where, like, if he, he could hardly leave the house because of it, but if we ever, like, went out to a restaurant, he'd have to put newspapers on the chair so that no scents would rub off on him so that he wouldn't take them home with him. Oh, which is crazy because newspaper has a very strong scent to me. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, but it's a very real thing for sure. Um, I don't like heavily perfumed things. Like I'll get a headache from going into like an elevator after someone who's been wearing a lot of perfume or something like that. Um, so I don't think I'd even be able to have gotten that far in the relationship without saying something about it. Um, but yeah, definitely saying something that is positive about the relationship and reinforcing that you are totally down with the relationship, but that the perfume doesn't work for you. Yeah. I think I would also lay it out like you're going to say something way worse, and this is what you say. So you're like, I have a confession to make. There's something I haven't been telling you. And then the person's going to be like, oh, my God, what is it? Yeah. And then you're like, there's something wrong with me, and I didn't tell you, but I have to tell you now. I've so been suffering silently. I hope that you know. Just I, I hope that you uh, understand. Um, I have a scent sensitivity, and I am so into you, and I like that you wear perfume because you're such a lady. But I get such a headache from perfume, and I sometimes feel sick but I try to be around you anyway because I just like you so much but um I can't be around perfume so <laughs> also if she if uh they could be twirling their pigtails while they say like I am doing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally twirling my pigtails wait this is um an advice question that just came in this second oh wow hi Nicole and special guest Liz um I need advice about my boss She's a raging wildebeest, and she's really, really, really mean, um, like personally mean, like insults your intelligence and abilities, and um, just in general unbearable. So how should I tame the wildebeest, or can I just fucking quit my job, please um, say that one? Okay, bye. Oh, my gosh. Your boss is mean, and you want to know if you can just quit your job? 100%. Yes, as long as you feel like you're financially in a position where you can quit your job. Yeah. I mean, let's. I think that you should give two weeks because this person is a wildebeest, as you said, and they are unkind. So you should leave. However, they might continue that unkindness when they're giving you a reference. So if you can give them, if you can keep your side of the street clean, if you can give them no reason to say anything that has legs about you being a poor worker, do that. Give them two weeks. Be very polite. And Liz was talking before about the idea of somebody bugging you or saying something nasty to you, just letting it roll off your back. You don't have to react. You could do anything for 12 hours that would appall you if you knew you had to do it for the rest of your life. But what if you just go to this job and she says things and you're just like, okay. You know, she's like, you're stupid. And you're like, okay. And then uh, another thing I like to do is I like to think about people as if they're a character in a sitcom. Uh, and so they just have these character traits. They have these personality traits, and that's just what they're going to do. So if someone is mean and they walk in the room and they say something mean, just imagine like the laugh track of being like, oh, boss. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not going to change them, and you're not taking it on, but you're just like, that's what she does. Like, you know, people I know who... 
are very erratic and go from being really sweet to really mean really fast. I know that about them. And then they do it and I'm like, well, there it is. And that is what she does. Goodbye. Like, I don't know. What do you think? Will you talk about that thing you were talking about? The thing I was talking about? Um, I got advice from a friend about dealing with um, another friend who is just generally kind of hard to be around most of the time. And uh, the advice that she gave me was to to show up but not um, interact. Uh, Don't, like, engage with the comments that are either meant to hurt your feelings or um, try to try to just think of it as like, oh, it's just like this part of my life right now that I'm dealing with. Um, but one of the other things that she advised was that if the person is saying things that, um, you know, are hurtful or seem snarky, uh, you know, if you're in a position where you feel comfortable to say something like, oh, I wonder what you mean when you said that. Oh my god! I can't imagine saying that to your boss. Yeah, that seems Who like that's, that was... a, that's more like a that's a more like a friend, like yeah, yeah. family member, interpersonal thing. I don't know if you get away with saying. Like it to if your I was boss. like, Liz always does this stupid thing, and you're like, I wonder what you mean when you say that. I'm, like, I'm sorry, Liz. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think they. You quitting your job is definitely a decision that you have to make based on whether you could survive without this job. Also, is it a job in the career that you want to be working in? Would quitting this job set you back from that? Is Mm -hmm. there a way to maybe go to like a human resources to, if there's a job if this is a job that has human resources, you could Mm -hmm. utilize that. This could totally be a job that you know, like a bookstore doesn't have human resources. But it could, yeah. But there are things, there are there, there are, are agencies that are set up for that, right? I mean, is that what the Better Business Bureau is for? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's the Better Business Bureau is for. I agree with you. Go to some avenues if you want to. But also, if, if you don't want to deal, I don't know. You don't totally have to deal. If you I, don't want to deal and this isn't a job that you need to live or that you need... To further your career, then, yeah, by all means, you know, give your two weeks notice. And Sometimes if I'm in a job, like if I'm teaching a certain class or if I'm in a, doing a thing that is feels like it's harming my self-esteem or it feels abusive in some way, like sometimes it's teaching middle school students or high school students and they're like calling me a bitch mm-hmm. because they have no respect for adults and they just see me as another adult. Sometimes I think like, would I rather be doing blank? And I think of something uh, marginally unpleasant, mm-hmm. generally having to do with men. And um, <laughs> and if my answer is yes, like I, I would rather be doing anything but this mm-hmm. to make this amount of money, then I will may, I will start endeavoring to leave that situation. I do want to pass along to you, lastly and separately. My favorite advice from Dear Sugar, or my favorite, one of my favorite sound bites from her is her saying, you know, be more magnanimous than you thought you were capable of. So if you can, like this woman says something to you like, you're stupid, or like, you didn't do that because you're a dummy. If you can just stop and for a minute, get out of yourself and empathize with her and think about 
what it must be like to be in her brain and empathize with her a little bit. Like this woman must be so insecure or so unhappy or so anxiety ridden that she needs to be in control of everyone else and everyone else's mood. And she needs to knock other people down to build herself up because she feels so poorly about herself. If you can empathize with her situation and be like, wow, she must be sad or having a bad day or whatever. Um, and just be generous and kind to her in the face of her, whatever abuse as you're staying there to fill out your two weeks, then I say do it. Um, if you can still take care of yourself and maintain, and maybe you can respect yourself even more at the end of the day for being generous to her, being magnanimous towards her. than if you would have been like, yeah, well, fuck you too. Or, you know, anyway, that's my advice. Good luck to you. I hope that you can, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to make money in the world, my friend. And, and being a cartoonist is not one of them. Being a cartoonist <laughs> is not one of them, but there's a lot of ways to make money in the world. Um, at the end of the day, there's always phone sex. So good luck to you. And I'm not saying that as a joke it is genuinely one of my fallback plans. So wait, Lacey, will you first tell me that you just, we clear up your profession for me? Because I have previously described you as a vegan bodybuilder. I am not a bodybuilder. I am a health and wellness coach, a personal trainer, and a power lifter. You look like a bodybuilder to me because I often see pictures of you lifting weights. <laughs> well. <laughs> With chalk on your hands. Yeah, well, see, a bodybuilder would really have, they're like less gritty. There would be no chalk. Oh. That's how you would know. The chalk clues you in. <laughs> to me, the chalk and the striped unitard is the, the way that I know a bodybuilder. <laughs> okay. All right. As we discussed. <laughs> okay. I got this email. So now people have tried to go rogue and just sent me emails and texts instead of calling. Mm. I, don't, I don't appreciate it. I want to hear okay. your weird voices. I want you to do a fake voice if you don't want me to know who you are because that's so much more fun. Anyway. Totally. I don't mean to shame everyone that sends me questions. Nicole, I love your podcast. Could you address the following question? The women with whom I work, including bosses and superiors, are incessantly body shaming themselves in regard to their weight and what they eat. How can I redirect these conversations to make them more body positive or not even about bodies at all? Mm. I, um, I have an anecdote and then I, I have Lacey here as my special guest. My anecdote is I used to work at a coffee shop mm-hmm. a long time ago and my manager was a fat girl who was a riot girl. And a lot of times business ladies, office ladies would come in and be like, oh, I shouldn't, oh, you know, about the pastries in the case. They'd be like, oh, it's so sinful. I shouldn't, I shouldn't. And she would just interrupt them and be like, why? Because you'll look like me. And they would be like, oh, shit. (laughs) And it was the punkest, most aggro way I've ever seen someone um, interact with that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And and that's all. Yeah. Well, that's one way to do it, for sure. Um, okay, so I have dealt with this a lot in my life, like a lot, 
because people do it all the time. Um, and I almost think that specifically with women, people talk negatively about their bodies as a way to socialize. And so that is like a social norm and is considered socially acceptable. And it is often how women bond. Um, but I think that letting people know that that actually isn't how you want to bond with them is, is good. And you can do it in a few different ways, kind of depending on your relationship to the person. So if you have a close relationship with someone, I think it is completely appropriate to just say, like, I don't like it when you talk about your body like that. It bums me out. And I think um, for me, sometimes if I'm close with someone and they're doing that, I will also add that um, when you talk about your body negatively, it makes me think about my body and I don't want to get into, like, scrutinizing myself or you. So let's just talk about something else. Um it is not always appropriate or comfortable to be that transparent. So sometimes I, I try to say things that just divert the attention. So oftentimes I think people do this by someone will be like, say, I am so fat. And then the person will say, you're not fat. And actually that's not the right way to do it because, you know, like obviously you and I know that, we're not assuming fat is a bad thing. If someone wants to identify as fat, like whatever. Um, but I do often say things like, Oh, are you, are you having negative body image? Like seems like you might be. And using that as kind of like an opportunity for a conversation. Oftentimes people will either feel uncomfortable and then just be like, I don't, they won't really want to engage further. And that kind of like, in the future when they're around me, they'll remember that when they say a negative body comment, I will ask them about it. And if they don't want to talk about it, they won't say that in front of me. Mm-hmm. Or they'll open up. And I think when people open up to you, it's a great opportunity to just say, like, I don't know. I'm assuming this person has had their own body image stuff, which may or may not be true. But if you have, it's a good opportunity to say, like, yeah, I've had body image stuff as well. And I think this is like a societal problem and I would like to try to focus on the positive and focus on feeling healthy and good. And sometimes for me, that means not thinking so much about my body and trying to focus on other stuff. Um, So what about if it's your boss? So if it's your boss, I honestly think if someone is comfortable enough to talk to you talk about themselves negatively to you it totally makes sense for you to just be like what's that about because that's kind of a vulnerable thing to say to someone Mm -hmm. and so if they're not meaning to be vulnerable they should recognize that they're putting you in a weird position like your boss shouldn't really put you in the position of counselor and when (laughs) When people say something negative about themselves, if you're at all empathetic or sympathetic, you're going to want to know more. So I don't know. I think it's important that people that talk shit about their bodies know the cultural importance of that and like how that affects everyone around them. And so just like you don't have to say like, I don't like that, although you can, um, but just saying like, oh, sounds like you're feeling bad. What's up? Um, like if you're with cool. a group of women and they're like, oh my God, I shouldn't eat this pastry. It's going to go to my hips or like, oh my butt or 
And it's like a bunch of bosses cackling together. Mm. And then you're standing so, there. And that, I just, I don't know what I would say. Then I'd be like, well, you should be so lucky. I don't know what I would, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought that too. I'm like, ooh, big butts. Yes, please. Um, you save on implants but... that way. <laughs> yeah. Then you don't have to buy those butt-boosting jeans. Um, yeah, I mean, I do hear stuff like this all the time. And I just am like, I don't know. For me, it feels important to just, like, be honest about hearing that. Like, a lot of people will either start to participate or ignore it, and I choose to do neither. Like, just acknowledging that I'm hearing it and that I choose not to participate. I mean, I have definitely said, like, when I focus on negative parts or things that I feel negatively about on my body, it's a lot less awesome than when I just focus on the shit I like about my body and myself, you know? Um, it's a sort of low impact, but if someone's just like, I shouldn't eat this, I'm just like, shouldn't? Who's the <laughs> boss? You know, like, that's a weird thing to say. Yeah. I, I often say, oh, a really simple, succinct way to kind of deal with that is just be like, your life, your rules. <laughs> and they can do with that what they will. If their rule is that they don't eat the pastry, like, fine. But you don't have to make a big to-do about it. Yeah. I I was thinking about this before we talked. And I was thinking about how it, it's not the same. But it's similar to me as, like, if you are a straight person and someone's making a gay joke, you step mm. in and say, like, mm, not so funny. Or mm -hmm. if you are a white person and someone's like, oh, I'm free to make a racist joke because it's just us white people. I, you know, and then you step in and you're like, oh, absolutely not. And I feel the mm -hmm. same way as a thin-bodied person. Mm -hmm. If other people around me are like, you know, oh, you'll understand. This, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, this other kind of body is a, not a not a desired kind of body, right? Har har har. Mm -hmm. Then I'm just like, mm, I don't really, I don't really understand what you're saying. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, or I don't, I don't even, I don't, I honestly can't. For some reason, I cannot put myself in this scenario right now, but I love everything that you said one could do. <laughs> and this, like, if it was my bosses, I would say one of those things, you know? Mm -hmm. You're like, that's it. It's like, what, what is the difference? What is the problem? Well, I think the thing to understand is, like, sometimes you might inquire, if the comments are kind of incessant, you might inquire privately, like, later. Um, but when people say things like that it's because they're hurting or criticizing themselves yeah. which is uncomfortable and so I try maybe because it is my job to ask people like what's up with your body image like that's a question I ask people multiple times a week um she's this is part I, of her job as a bodybuilder just kidding as a health and wellness coach <laughs> this is the wellness <laughs> this is the wellness part totally um I think it's important that even though that shit's annoying and it sucks and it's like a cultural problem, it's also like the person is hurting. And so I try to come from a place of compassion of like, oh man, that's such a bummer because chances are like, unless someone's just a real dick bag, I think they're a babe. Like I can find babeliness in many kinds of people. And so when someone's talking shit about themselves, I'm probably thinking that's a bummer because you're a babe. But that is something I would not say because if someone is overly focusing on their looks, I don't think it is helpful to uh, try to change how they feel but continue with the focus on looks. Yeah, I fully agree with you. May I segue into this super light question? Sure. 
which is, what do you do if you suspect one of your friends has an eating disorder? Oh, I think you just got to fucking say something. What do you say? Um, I noticed that you're being weird with food. Can we talk about it? Um, I think uh, an important caveat to this, though, is you might lose your friend for a little while. Like, Mm -hmm. if the person is not ready, then they're not ready. But if you notice, chances are, if you notice someone is being freaky around food or body, they probably do have something going on. Mm -hmm. And um, if they're ready to start thinking about it, they'll engage with you about it. And if they're not ready, then they won't. And you might not hear from them for a while. But eventually, they'll probably come back around. I think it is very important to plant seeds in people's minds, even if they're not ready to hear it. Because a lot of people try to act like they're just dieting. Like I'm just dieting and this is a normal thing that people do. Um, and I do personally think there's a very thin line between diets and eating disorders a lot of the time. Um, so I don't know. I think it's really important to call out weird behavior because what you're seeing is probably just the tip of the iceberg, you know, like eating disorders are really secretive and private a lot of the time. So if you're noticing something, chances are there's a lot more going on. So that's that. How can people find you if they want your coaching? If you want to find me, you can find me at superstrengthhealth.com or on Instagram at superstrengthhealth or at my podcast, which is called Rise and Resist. What is your favorite thing that you ate this week? My favorite thing? Oh, shit. My favorite thing that I ate this week was a savory waffle made out of buckwheat, and it was stuffed with vegan mozzarella, and on top of it was buffaloed cauliflower. Where was that from? A&D Cafe in Portland. Holy cannoli. Gluten-free, totally delicious, and huge the size of my face. I'll come back and eat that. Please do. I shall. Um, Thanks, Lacey. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Sagittarian Matters. If you would like advice about romance, pets, manners, and more, please call and leave a message on our hotline, 971-361-9999. Nine, eight. You never know who might show up to answer your questions on Sagittarian Matters.